Before we get to this episode, just to say thanks to everyone who's bought my new book, Champion Thinking, How to Find Success Without Losing Yourself. Published by Bloomsbury, the response has been terrific. It's an Amazon bestseller. It's been top 20 in the airport charts consistently, and the reviews have been terrific right across the board. And if you like this episode that you're about to hear on Flow, you'll be sure to enjoy Champion Thinking. Head to my website, simonmundy.com or Amazon, Waterstone, Smiths, places like that to get your copy. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to Don't Tell Me The Score, the podcast that uses sport to explore life's bigger questions. My name is Simon Mundy and before we get to today's episode, I just want to say a big thank you. When I switched platforms from the BBC, the old ratings for Don't Tell Me The Score went and I'm so grateful to everyone who started the process of helping build them back up. We've really had some lovely reviews over the last week or so and honestly, every single message and review and rating means a huge amount. So I just want to mention a few names, Stefan and his mates at St. Clair's College and their teacher Alex, Gary, Sean and co at Hartlepool College. Connie, Issy, Sophie, Adrian at Enterprise, and Jacob and his students over the pond in the States. I could go on. Apologies if I haven't mentioned you, but thank you to everyone who's taken the time to message. It is really kind and hugely appreciated. And one of the unexpected delights of creating Don't Tell Me The Score has been the friendships that I've developed with many of my guests and listeners alike. It means a lot and chimes in with what we talk about in this episode, Insofar as we're all on a level, no one is any better or any worse than anyone else. So why not treat everyone with kindness and respect and like they are a friend you just haven't met yet? Now, if you would like to help us out by giving a kind rating and review or just fancy getting in touch with a message via social media or my website, please do. And I'll be sure to say a few more thank yous next time. So this episode is with the former cruiserweight boxing champion of the world, Tony Bellew. I really enjoy chatting to him. He's a really down-to-earth, wise, funny, likeable guy. And the theme of this episode is the battle with yourself. It is a battle we all face. Some days we win, some days we lose, and that's okay. And Tony really gets it insofar as we're only really in competition with ourselves. And no matter what we achieve, we're no better than anyone else. And when people do start believing their hype, 
it's a bit tragic and he illustrates that with some cracking anecdotes. Tony's new book is called Everyone Has a Plan Until They Get Punched in the Face, but don't be fooled, that is a metaphor for life, not just boxing. And we talk about lots of his lessons from it in this episode. And I hope you enjoy our conversation. So here is Tony Bellew. Tony Bellew, Anthony, how are you? <laughs> uh, I'm all right, mate. Anthony is a is a far cry, but uh, I am all right, mate. I'm cool. I'm surviving. Can't complain. Life could be worse. Absolutely. I mean, author, Hollywood star, former boxing world <laughs> champ. I mean, goodness just me, life really could be worse. Just because you do something once, mate, it doesn't mean that's what you are. So, uh, you know, I sing once a week, maybe. It does not make me a singer, believe you me. Uh, I dance once a week and I'm definitely not a dancer. So, uh, <laughs> I've been a Hollywood actor. Yes, I, I can't say I haven't. I have been that. Uh, and I, I believe now, yeah, I actually am an author, which is crazy to think. And, and actually, I can't believe I've just said that out loud. But uh, I have and I am one. So, uh, but uh, I'm not a, well, I am an author. I'm about to say I'm not actually an author, but I am because I've wrote a book. You are. You are. You're officially an author. And I'll tell you what. <laughs> I tell you what, it's a cracking name as well. Um, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face, which is very, one very of the true. most famous boxing quotes of all time. Uh, did that just come to you in a flash of inspiration? Uh, it didn't. It, it it actually got suggested first and foremost because they had they wanted phrases or sayings that they thought that I truly believed in. And my most famous one that I've, I've lived through me throughout my career is "Fail to prepare, prepare to fail." Right. But this one is, is a really close second. Uh, and the reason why we've done this one is because although it's not, if it was an autobiography, I would have actually called it Fail to Prepare, Prepare to Fail. But it's not an autobiography. It's basically about situations, I shall say, that I've, that I've had happen in my life and, and that, that boxing has been such a huge part of my life that every situation that's come at me, it's like getting punched in the face, mate. <laughs> <laughs> and and everyone's got a plan until they get punched in the face. And everybody believes it was Mike Tyson that first came up with that saying. It well, actually wasn't. It was the fantastic, the great brown bomber, Joe Louis, yeah. uh, who said it first. And that's how, how it stuck. And as I said, Mike made it much more famous than the great Joe Louis did. But he said it first. And uh, it, it stuck. It, it's such a true saying. And that doesn't mean necessarily you have to be a boxer. Yeah. to understand this saying you could be doing anything you could be working in a nine-to-five in an office uh, you could be doing you know a labor i've had so many different jobs throughout my lifetime that it wasn't just boxing that, that this book related to it was just everyday life and how i've encountered different things in different parts of my life and, and found a way to navigate through it and come out the other side and that's all it is mate yeah i mean th- look, this podcast is all about life lessons so you've done the hard yards for me Tony, Anthony, and we'll work out who to, which, which to go with imminently. Whichever you whichever makes you happy, honest to God, it doesn't bother me. I would have asked you in a second, but uh, and we're going to get into that. But but it's chock full of lessons, this. So you've got 12 lessons, 12 rounds. But I did want to ask, because you do say there, everybody has a plan and until they're punched, they get punched in the face. And obviously, from a imagery point of view, you think boxing. But like you say, we all go through that in life. I always say sport is a metaphor for life. So therefore... Boxing is a metaphor for life, and you clearly think of it in that way. 
Without doubt, I mean, when you first get into boxing, it's just such a beautiful sport. Well, yeah, I say beautiful, it is to me because I've mastered it. So it's not a beautiful sport to someone who hasn't mastered it, believe you me. <laughs> but it's, I just, I was so obsessed with it, to be honest. And I just was so driven by it. And being punched in the face for the first time for me actually didn't frighten me, which looking back and thinking back is actually frightening in itself. Mm -hmm. Uh, It just didn't scare me. It didn't deter me. It actually encouraged me and and spared me on to take more, but to give more than I took. And as I said, we touch upon many different things in the book and and, and stuff like in and around the world of boxing, but then there's things that that anyone can use in just day-to-day life. So, you know, the situations and, and obstacles that have been put in my way when I had certain jobs that I didn't like doing, but everything in the background was to, to subsidise that dream of one day becoming a world champion. Now, not everyone is, is, is fighting for the dream to become a world champion, but I don't think there's many people in this world who, are, who aren't striving and fighting to, to proceed to another level. Absolutely. We all want to grow in life, and there's some really good stuff, I think, practical life lessons in here which are a perfect fodder for like you say anyone trying to strive in whatever area but I do want to quickly go back and I said at the start Tony Anthony and you said and I want to obviously zip through some of some of you the key moments in your career but you said after your last fight that Tony was a character that you'd essentially created what is the difference for you between Tony and Anthony One's cool and calm, and me and Mrs. said if I was any more laid back, I'd be asleep. Uh, and the other one is is angry and <laughs> and uh, and just a little bit more reckless and dangerous and just the, the complete opposite, to be honest. Yeah, are they both <laughs> characters in you? Uh, I suppose everyone's got characters in them. It's just that we don't want to admit it to ourselves. Uh, mm. I was happy to play the villain, to play the monster, to play the animal that I was made out to be, as Tony Bellew was, uh, the loud mouth brash scouser. But in reality, I'm just a normal lad. What makes you tick makes me tick, mate. I'm no different than anybody else. I'm no better. I'm no worse. So that that's all it, it really was, to be honest. And it, being Tony Bellew allows me to create a persona that, that doesn't care what anyone else thinks. And that's what allowed me where there's... Where there's when I come home and I'm with my kids and I'm with my wife, I'm just not that person. I care about everything else. And yeah. the last case person I care about is myself as Anthony. I really yeah. do. I just don't care about myself that much. Whereas when I'm Tony, I am it. I am the be all and end all of everything. And I want to absolutely <laughs> destroy everyone and everything that's put in front of me. And I suppose that's what I, I learned to do when I turned professional was to tap into that and, yeah. and, and just use it. And that's all I've done. You know, I was just a kid who chased his dreams. Tony Bellew is actually the man who's seen out all of Anthony Bellew's dreams. <laughs> it sounds mad saying that, but that's what I've done. I pursued it and I stuck with it. And, and Tony Bellew got me through it, mate. So Tony Bellew, is this fair to say? So Tony's got a touch of the suit of armour. And, yeah. and Anthony strikes me as being quite a sensitive man. Because yeah, 100%. When you were in the, in your, like I said, after your final press conference, uh, sorry, after your final fight, in that press conference, you were emotional, you were honest, you were very generous to your opponent. There was no bitterness. There was none of that. So 
Yeah, it's it's interesting, isn't it? You that the, they have these two sides, and the Anthony is clearly a sensitive, you know, family man, sensible. So does does Anthony have to battle at all to keep Tony in check? <laughs> in parts, I think sometimes, especially when he's in a car and someone annoys him, uh, definitely <laughs> Anthony starts to tell Tony <laughs> to just shut up and chill out. Uh, but yeah, I'm, all, I'm I'm in a constant battle with myself every day. Uh, that's just the way I am. Um, we all are, aren't we? Of course, uh, we all are. And anybody who says different is a liar. It, it's like these people who portray that they live the perfect life and everything great is what going on in their life is perfect and it's amazing. And they have a social media account that just looks like the, the dream life. It's a lie. I'm sorry to inform these people, but it's a lie. And you know it's a lie. You know, show, show the, the downs just as much as the ups. I could make my life seem like the best life in the world I really could by putting up things of. So a lot of people attach materialistic things. So I could post pictures of cars, pictures of watches, pictures of the house, pictures of this and that, and say them pictures of me family. I was all smiling, I was laughing, and everything's going fantastic. I could post all them things, but that wouldn't be real life, would it? Because in the real life is there's arguments, there's there's fights going on in my house between, between four brothers. There's... There's a baby's nappy that, that's left open that does my nut in. He needs changing again. There's another nappy that's dirty. There's food things that's thrown on the floor because he doesn't want to eat what I want him to eat. <laughs> then yeah. the, the, the 12-year-old's fighting with the 15-year-old, so the room's a wreck or he's broke something in the bathroom. None of these, all these things I'm saying is just real life day-to-day stuff. Absolutely. But people, but people from the outside look in and think, oh, he's got a big house, he's got a big car, he's got a few quid. And they don't see that I'm going through the same problems that you're going through. Absolutely. Everyone's going through different problems. Don't ever judge anyone on what TV shows or their social media account shows because that isn't real life. Real life is what goes on from nine to five. Well, I say nine to five. In my house, it's nine to nine, 24 <laughs> seven. I'm actually amazed I'm getting this quiet, this amount of quiet time uh, just to do what we're doing now. So, well, yeah, I'm very, just, I'm very grateful. Oh, don't uh, it's funny you say all that, actually. actually. So I chatted to Frank Bruno recently, and wow. he was, he's a great guy, a and which is legend. so, oh, so, uh, genuinely, the, just so humble and kind. Right from the moment he stepped into into the interview, you know, before we recorded and all that yeah. stuff, you could see there was no, there was no airs or graces and nothing like that. And he said that it doesn't matter what you achieve in life, you can only wear one pair of shoes, you can only drive one car. It was just about humility. And that that's, I, that's so what right. you're saying there, isn't it? It's like, it doesn't matter Definitely. what you achieve. We've still got, the, everyone's got the same stuff to deal with, the same yeah. issues to deal with, the same internal battle going on. Like you say, yeah. nappies running around the place, washing up to do. We're all on a level, but it's, you know, in the culture we live in, we sometimes lose sight of that. It sounds like you haven't, though. We do lose sight of it, and, and people out there day-to-day lose sight of things. As I said before, he's so right you can only drive one car. You can only wear one pair of shoes. He's spot on. I've spent some time around Frank over the years, and he's what a lovely, lovely man and, ah, yeah. and a real yeah. true icon of this country and what it's all about is in him. He really is. He's such a fantastic, phenomenal person. But as I said before, he's spot on with what he's saying there. It's just so much gets attached now to materialistic stuff and social media and people's lives. And it's really affecting people's lives that we've seen, especially during this pandemic. Yeah. Uh, like I've enjoyed the pandemic. I've enjoyed just being at home, spending time with my family. I've really got to know my 15-year-old son as well as I'd love to have known him in the past, these last couple of years. 
because yeah, I've been away, you know, for the most part of his life, just fighting every time, fighting. And just even when I'm at home, I wasn't really here because I'm not really paying attention and focusing on them like I should have done as the father. Now I've done that these last few years and I've really got to know my children. The birth of my latest son, Carson, who's now 15 months, I've been here for every day, every second of his life, which has just been amazing to be part of and, and literally watch them grow in front of my eyes. Instead of sometimes I'm going away for a couple of months at a time or I'm in boxing camp and I just miss so much. So, you know, the, the parents' evenings, the, the football matches, you know, it, I've missed so, so much, which I feel so guilty about. But at the same time, everybody knows I was doing it for the purpose and to give better to them at the same time. So it's all done now and, and I've spent enough time away and I'm back and, and I'm really enjoying it, mate. So, like I said, don't ever judge anyone from the outside looking in. Everybody's going through their own battles, their own demons. And uh, we should focus more in my opinion, on helping raise people up and talking to other people. There's mm. so much negativity placed through social media and just in the general consensus of day-to-day -day stuff that we don't really embrace it and give each other credit or praise people. I don't I don't really see that done much. It's always, you know, backhanded compliments or a put-down, especially through social media. There's a lot of uh, tough guy maniacs on there, to be honest. I've never met one to this day, but, but I've come across <laughs> well, so that, many And that's very there. revealing, isn't it? Like you say, yeah. they're, they're, you wouldn't meet them on the street, but they're it's all very one. well behind the, behind the keyboard. Oh, mate. Fantastic! I've I've seen so many on the keyboard, and even with that, like I've met fifteen Mike Tyson's, twenty four uh, Larry Holmes's. I've met about sixty five, you know Lennox Lewis's, all through a keyboard. But I've yet to meet one actually in person, unless it's actually I've met Mike, I've met Lennox, and I've met Larry Holmes. Well, to be fair, <laughs> so it's a. Uh, yeah, it's just you, you've got to take it with a pinch of salt. But as oh, I say, at the people same take time, social media too seriously. I think you know whether it, I, including like it's, it's popping up in you know in news articles. It's like on on social media they're saying this. It's like stop paying so much attention to it. You're you spot know? On, take Sam. it with a pinch of salt. You're spot on, mate. Absolutely nailed it there. Just it's not real. I just want us to get back to life as like it like it was. I suppose this pandemic's crushed a lot of people in a lot of different ways. As I said, not everyone's been as fortunate as myself. My father's been on his own basically for two years with no one to mix with, which is extremely, extremely hard, you know, and, and he's had to live through this lockdown. It's very tough. So my heart goes out to all them people out there living a single life and uh, living on their own. It really does, because they're the ones who have really been affected, especially, you know, the older generation. Uh, a lot of being made martyrs of as in students and, and the children because they haven't, haven't been affected by it but it's so hard for them a year out of their life has been completely taken well 18 months probably now which leads me to the question would the 15 year old Anthony so the kid that was expelled from school before he had had a chance to sit his yeah. GCSEs how would he have benefited from reading something like this and, and the lessons that you now are able to put down on paper these 12 lessons as it were do you think he would have um given it short thrift or, or could it have helped him do you want me to be 100 percent honest yes please yes please <laughs> i don't think at 15 i would have listened to a word any bloody said i thought i knew it all i wouldn't have to be totally honest Simon. it was only until i had up on having Corey, i started to really focus on what i was capable of and what i had to, and what i actually had to do in life and that was to, to to be the very best I possibly can uh, and provide to the levels that I needed to provide for. Uh, and then, 
having children done that for me. And me missus, she 100% kept me on the straight and narrow. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're clearly someone who values values. Now, you talk yes. about goals, and goals is something that it, we everyone talks about so much, and I'm really interested in, in you know, in values, and, and it's clearly something you hold in high regard. And the first one, for example, is is loyalty that springs to mind and, yes. and trust. And so, for example, you're one of four brothers. That clearly shaped you. I know you looked after your younger brother in particular a lot. And trust and and loyalty is so important to you. And even, for example, with, with Eddie Hearn, so you didn't have contracts. And, and you talk about once it's gone, it's gone. So just yeah. talk to me a little bit about this, about loyalty and about trust, what it means to you and, and where you think it's perhaps lacking in, in other mm. areas of society and life. I think for me, it was such a massive part. I, I, I've been stung throughout my life. And you'd have to learn as you go along. I was very fortunate to come across Eddie Hearn after I'd been in the, in the previous promotion and outfit with Frank Warner and stuff because if I would have came across another version of what I'd been through, I probably would have, it would have finished me. So I was very lucky uh, to get in, in with Eddie and, and, and everything worked out the way it did at the time. did Because when Eddie was at that stage, there was there was no massive fighters. It was only Kel Brook who'd gone to him and Kel hadn't won a world title yet. So it was between me, Darren Barker, Kel, uh, and a couple of other fighters were like not sure on what to do, and Frotchy was also about to step over and cross over to him. So it was just a tough time. Uh, and then, as I say, through other episodes of my life, there's been things that have gone on in my life. And as I said, once I've been done by wrong once, I won't let it happen again. I just don't make the same mistake twice. It's one of the good things that I've learned throughout my life. I also don't need to make the mistakes also to recover from them. I can also learn yeah. from other people's mistakes, which is one of my strengths. I can't stress enough that no one lives the, leads the perfect life and everybody's got battles and everybody's had things that go on in their life. How I've dealt with them, I would like to think is no different than how any other person has dealt with them. I think what's different to me is that I didn't veer off through another path. I still stick to the goal and the dream never changed. The goals never changed. I was willing, even though the path sent me another way, you know, it wasn't an ideal opportunity to go that way. I went another way. I still got there in the end. But don't get me wrong. I went through many caves, many different paths off the road. But ultimately, I got to where I wanted to be. And that's the thing. It's never a straight line, is it? No. And actually, you say something interesting about goals that I want to ask you in a minute. But I do just want to quickly backtrack and Obviously, you had a really fundamental change in your life when you were 10 years old, when your father left home. Yes. Uh, how much of an impact do you think that had on you in terms of your, even so far as your, how you got into fighting a bit later on? Uh, I think it motivated me even more to, to show that, that I always looked up to my dad. My dad was me here. I was a kid. And then the more you learn about your parents as you grow older, the more you want to impress them. I'm the same as every other young man out there. Every young man wants to impress his father, wants to do something, just wants to show his father I can do something you couldn't. Yeah. So I, I was no different. Uh, and when my dad leaves when I'm 10, uh, he's still an amazing father. He's just not a very good husband. <laughs> he's just not very good at it. But ultimately, as I said before, they're the things that shaped me going forward. So, you know, I was determined to try and become the best father I could possibly be but then also challenge myself to try and be the best husband that can be as well. And let me tell you, it's 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 very, very hard 
as it should. It's not easy <laughs> me being you, yeah. a, an half-decent husband and it's not easy being an half-decent father. The two of them are the biggest challenges in my life. I'm just very fortunate that I've got a, you know, I've got a very understanding wife, and I suppose I've got four spoiled children. To be honest, so it's, uh, <laughs> it's just, but that's my fault again. Well, it's not my fault. It's my wife's fault. To be honest, uh, she spoils them far more than I would like to do. But that's another story. Yeah, but that's interesting you say that, Tony, because so I was just chatting to someone recently about um, about happiness and confidence, and actually how the ori- original definitions of happiness and confidence are quite different to what they are now. So happiness used to be considered to be, you know, doing good in the world, right? And that might be raising a family, being a good husband. It didn't mean that that you're going to feel good all the time. Because the thing is, like you say, raising a family, being a good husband, that doesn't mean you're going to be skipping around with a big grin on your face the whole time. It means you're going to be skipping around a lot less than you think, mate, and smiling <laughs> a lot. When you have to put everybody else first and yourself last, you'll soon find that it, you know it comes at a price and it's a heavy price to pay. But I put myself first for so much of the time that it's the least they deserve now. One of your lessons that you talk about is proving naysayers wrong. Yes. And you know, you clearly when you left school at 15, just somewhat hard done by in some ways because you were defending a teacher. That's one way of, of certainly describing it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they don't like it like that, but that's, no. that's technically yeah, they, they correct. Didn't take it technically correct. They didn't describe it necessarily like that. But you, you were essentially defending a teacher's honour who'd been attacked by someone else. So you were kicked out of school at 15. Yeah. And clearly a lot of people weren't predicting much for you at that point. I mean, would you have predicted much for yourself at that point? I think I'd wrote, I'd wrote myself off completely. If I'm, I'm not gonna, there's no point in lying and making it up saying, you know, mm. I had a vision that I could possibly be something. Uh, but there's just, when I look back, there's far too much hard work to come. It's, it's all well and good, excuse me. It's all well and good saying you I'm going to be... You are laid back, aren't you? Yeah, <laughs> I am, mate. It's all well and good saying I'm going to be world champion. And I was saying it to anyone who'd listen, by the way. By the time I was 15, 16 years old, I was telling people at 16 I was going to be a world champion boxer. By the time I was 18, 18, 19, I was telling people I was going to box Goodison Park and I was going to win a WBC world title. Bear in mind, this had never happened before. So everybody labelled me a, a BS person who talks a load of BS, a load of person who talks nonsense, he, he says anything, he, he's not right. And for years and years this went on. Now, I'd left school with no qualifications, no job in place, nothing. All I had was this boxing dream. Uh, so I was labelled as a fantasist. And then coming from where you come from with no job and no nothing else but dreams, I fitted right in because a lot of the other people who left my school was was pretty much the same no qualifications, no job, no future. And you're labelled as just basically another problem on the streets because that's where, that's where you spend all your time, just with your friends on the streets. That's all you end up thinking that you're going to be, just another kid on the streets with nothing good to do, uh, probably sometimes up to no good because you've got to do something to earn. But literally that dream that I had is what kept me going, is what got me the extra jobs, what got me laboured and on building sites, what got me working in Next, what got me working in the pillow factory. That 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 dream is what got me working as a lifeguard in a sports centre, working on nightclub doors as a, as a youngster. That dream of being something and getting to that level in the boxing world, that's what got me all them jobs, that's what kept me on there. Uh, so it's important to give yourself a dream or a goal and focus on that and do whatever you've got to do in the in-between and to make it work. 
and that's all I done. So all the yeah. people who thought that I couldn't, and the naysayers are the biggest, a massive, huge part of my career. You wouldn't believe believe the amount of times I've been laughed at and told I'm not going to be that. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to be able to do that. After I won three ABA titles, I told I'm going to turn professional. I'm going to I'm going to be rich one day. Uh, I told other people I'm going to be a British Commonwealth European champion. I'm going to be a world champion. And at every stage, I always had people in the background couldn't do that. So I won the British title. I get knocked down twice against Dover McKenzie. The words of people were, he's found his level. Okay, I go to the Commonwealth title and win that as well. I do there. I get to the European title. People are like, it's a really hard fight, but we don't think he can get through this. He's British and Commonwealth standard, but he got knocked down. Let's just see how he goes. I win the European title. Then they say, okay, well, he's European level, but he's definitely not going to get to world level. I I fight for the world title. I get knocked down. I get beat against the Donna Stevenson. I've lost, but I come back. And I rebuild again. And once again, the goal, the path was a little bit different for this one. I get to another world title fight. And this time, I go in against the puncher, who's number one in the division in the world. Uh, he's, he's No one wants to touch him. He's currently right now the world champion. I fight him. And people say, definitely can't win this fight. He, he's odds-on favourite with the book. He's, I'm a huge underdog. I beat him. And people say, there's nothing really left to say now. It's all, oh, he's won a world title. You know, wow, he's done it. He's done everything he said he'd do. And then I go a little bit step further and I fight the former undisputed cruiserweight champion of the world. Oh, sorry. And the former heavyweight champion of the world. And then everyone tells me he's going to pan me facing. He's going to absolutely destroy me in about two rounds. It's the biggest mismatch ever. It looks like Mr. Soft against the mountain of muscle. And believe it or not, I go in there and I beat him. And then everybody says, oh, you only beat him because he had a sore ankle or he snapped his Achilles tendon or whatever. I've just said, okay, let's run it back. Let's do it again. Everybody says, once again, all the media in the world, I'm going to get beat up. I'm going to get knocked out. Guess what? The fat boy does it again. So no <laughs> more excuses that he can make. Every, so here's a question. Moment. Here's a question for you then. How did you keep those criticisms, those judgments at bay? Because... A lot of people may be surrounded by naysayers about yeah. people saying you can't do that and it will sink in for them and it will actually restrict what they believe is possible. But yes. how did you stop that in your case when you had so many people telling you that's it, that's it, you reach your level, et cetera, yeah. et cetera? I just kept pushing. And I just didn't did you believe the whole time? I believed every step of the way because I worked so hard in the gym, it couldn't possibly go wrong. And when it did go wrong, I regrouped, I refocused, I looked at the mistakes that I made and I went again. And I never, ever, ever stopped believing. I touch upon a certain point in the book. I just don't, I don't give in. It's an illness that I have, Simon, to be honest. I just can't (laughs) back down. I can't give in. And that's all as it was down to. I wasn't willing to back down. I wasn't willing to give in. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. 
so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Of all the lessons that you talk about, how high up is that one? Not giving up. My greatest attribute. As I say, learning the lessons, it's a, it's a good attribute to have. You don't make the same mistake twice. But how can you beat a man who will never give up? Yeah. It's just something that's in anything in life. If you challenge me to do something and I, you know, it's obviously I, I can't fly. So if you say to me right now, Tony, let's see you fly. It's, it's not possible. But if you give me something that's realistic, I'll do it. Like I'm going to play off a single handicap in golf i know i'm gonna get there it's gonna don't get me wrong it's a long 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 way away but i promise you i will get there in the end i don't know when i can't put a time scale on it but i will get there in the end and i'm <laughs> believe you me right now i'm big double figures i'm dreadful but i'm so determined and i'm so driven to get better at this sport i don't know why because it's so frustrating and i just want to snap every club in me back <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But me, I'm gonna conquer it, and I'm gonna I'm gonna get to playing off nine or eight. I'd say I believe you. I do believe you. That no, I can we'll hear the, I can hear the the, 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 the fact in your voice for sure. <laughs> I, t- I tell you, but then here's something that, that I thought. So you talk about so one of your lessons you talk about setting achievable goals, right? Yes. But yours was to win the world championship at Goodison, which you did. Now I would argue that that wasn't a realistic achievable goal. Yes. So is it not by setting, you know, let's say realistic goals, mm-hmm. to some degree you risk limiting yourself because you didn't do that. You went you went as big as you can go. Yeah, but that's what I'm telling people. But the goal, that's the end goal. That's the end thing. Don't forget the, the first goals were let's try and win an ABA title. Well, let's win a novice title. Then let's right. win an under 20. So there are the steps title. on the way. That's what The steps mean. along the way. I'm, I've, I've, I was telling people the end goal when I was – 18, 19. So I was with Tom Stalker on Saturday. Tom was a former GB rep like me. He's a former Olympian. Uh, and Tom Stalker was saying to me, Tom, I remember being in the car with you when we were on the way to the under-20 novice finals. He was boxing for St. Aloysius. I was boxing for the Sunday ABC. And he says to me, Tom, you were saying in the car that when you're the world champion, you're going to buy this certain car. He said, you were saying that, Tom, before the novice under-20 final. He said, you hadn't even won an ABA title. I just never stopped believing, mate. And as I say, it, it, it's hard to beat a man who just yeah. won't go away. I've seen people who are far more talented than me. So someone like Joseph Selke, who will come to mind, I, come, I mentioned his name a number of times in the book, and he had five times the amount of natural ability that I had, but yet didn't have that same mental 
drive and determination than I had. And that's the only reason he's not world champion today. He would be Liverpool's greatest ever fighter if I could stick my mental mind on his body. The thing I would say, I think in boxing, obviously, you know, I would never be someone who would step in a ring. Full stop. I don't blame um, you. <laughs> but I think uh, in terms of that kind of never give up attitude, something that I've found, like I would say I used to be a bit of a, I, I didn't have that in spades. But I think something, a way I've developed it a little bit or to some degree is by not, you know, if something bad happens, not deciding that that is a bad thing. Oftentimes what might seem like a bad thing ends up being an important step along the way, you know. And, and for me then yeah. having that attitude of, treating supposedly good things or bad things in the same way, that's given me a um, perhaps a, a resilience to to keep going that I didn't have. So to me, I feel like it can be developed to a degree. What do you make of that? I think you're, you're pretty much right. It's about, it's, it's never as, as great as it seems when you're at your highest moments and it's never as bad as you think at your lowest moments. And it's finding an in-between, in-between them two. It's, I see so many fighters getting caught up in the hype and believe in their own smoke. Yeah. And then I see so many fighters after one bad performance thinking that they're terrible and they're really not. It just wasn't as wasn't as good as your last performance, don't get me wrong, but it's not as bad as you think. And it's, so it's not believing our thoughts, isn't it? It's, it's like yeah, it's, you, it's, you say as well, it's like if you, know, if you fail, that does not mean you're a failure, which is another of your yes, lessons. Yes, 100%. You know, you're only a failure when you quit. Yeah. A, man, a man who doesn't quit cannot be a failure because he continues to strive and push himself. Only the quitted is the failure. The only difference is how much you're willing to persevere, how much how much pain you're willing to go through. That was the thing with me. I'm, to get where I want to be and to get where I want to get, I'm willing to go through anything. And if you can just implement that in your everyday life, like I'm trying to cross over to my children at the moment, and I'm trying to, I'm struggling, but I'm trying my best. I, I tell them that. <laughs> hey, well, it'll show up later, though, won't it? It'll show I up hope later, so. Though. So they see me this morning before they're going to school. I'm on the peloton, and I'm going for it like no, nothing else. I'm on this bike, and I'm flying. But it's challenging. It's so physically hard. And I'm saying to them in the car, so when one finishes, when Kobe finishes rugby, I say, son, if you can, if you can enjoy the hard work, and I know this sounds tough and rough, but if you can enjoy the hard work, then it's going to make it easier. So understand that hard work is a good thing. It's not a bad thing because kids, you know, they hate getting up early. They don't want to get up early. They want to chill out in bed. They want to play the game all day. He doesn't want to go to rugby and work as hard as he possibly can because the mind doesn't want to do that. The mind yeah. wants to take yeah, yeah. the easiest way possible to anything it does if you can try and trick your mind into thinking that hard work's good and you enjoy hard work nothing's really ever going to be hard in life mm. and that's mm -hmm. the kind of mindset i'm trying to get across to them now my little baby boy who's, who's eight years old well he's not my baby i've got another one now i've got two i've got too many to be honest <laughs> but carter who plays he plays football for everton so he's a goalkeeper and i keep trying to get across to him the harder you can work here the more you enjoy the hard work the easier and the better you will progress than others and the, the faster your progression levels will go because you enjoy working hard. If you can enjoy working hard and see, and see happiness with, with the struggle, you will get there much better than anybody else will. And that's all that matters, that the struggle and the battle is not with anyone else. It's only yeah. within yourself. And, and it's, it's really the battle that, with your mind, isn't it? It's the battle with course. your mind. So you said there, you know, it's your mind doesn't want to get out of bed. Your mind doesn't want to do the hard work. Your mind doesn't want to get on the bike at the crack of door. But that same mind 
is the one that believes the hype when you've had one good fight. And it's mm. the same that, that will label you as a failure when you yeah. fail once. So have you been able to get that bit of distance between between your mind then? Have you, have you always been able to take what your mind comes out with, with a pinch of salt? I think a little bit of that, but also I think the biggest part for me is, is that when your mind doesn't actually want to do it, you have to understand your body actually does. Because mm-hmm. when you do the hard workouts, when you put the hard work in, you feel great after it. Can you ever tell me once you've worked really hard to the point of exhaustion and after it you feel like, I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> yeah. Your endorphins and everything point. releases, you feel great. So your body does want to do it. It's just that your mind doesn't want to go that place. Yeah. It's you know The first 10 minutes of a workout are the hardest because your body and your mind are still fighting with each other. It's only after the first 10 minutes of the workout passes that your body goes, you know what, we've been here long enough now, let's just see it through. And your mind and your body are then in cohesion and they come together as one. It's just them first 10 minutes. And as I say, it doesn't have to be a workout. It might be a day at work. Mm. That first hour at work of the day, your mind's still to and fro. I don't want to be, I don't want to do this, don't want to do that. But after the first hour's gone, the day goes faster. The day seems easier because your mind has given up the thoughts that he's not going to go home. He's not going to spew it. He's not going to give in. So let's just deal with what we're doing and let's just get on with it. And does your mind still kind of... chirp up of a morning, uh, yeah. Tony? Yeah. Yes, of course it does. I'm the, I'm the same as everybody else. I'm no different than anybody. I'm the exact same as the bin man who does the bins. I'm the exact same as the shop assistant in, in the retail park. I'm the exact same as a bus driver. What makes you tick makes me tick. What makes you laugh makes me laugh. I'm just a normal guy. I've just okay. been able to figure things out and, and stick to a plan a little bit better than some others. And the only reason I've been able to do that is because I just don't give in. You can do the exact same. Anyone can set out what they really want to do. And like you've just got to not be able to back down or give in when things get a bit tough. Do you think um, that attitude of I'm not any different from the guy who delivers my post or uh, whoever it may be, do you think that's part of the reason? And correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems to me like you've taken to retirement well. It seems to me that you've found it relatively easy. And we know that athletes, boxers often don't find it. You know, it can be a real challenge. You've got that loss of identity amongst other things. You've got, mm. you know, you've got the loss of structure, all that kind of stuff. Do you think that that attitude of being on a level with everyone else has helped you make that transition? I think you're right to a certain extent, but but believe me when I say it wasn't easy. I'm very lonely as well because I can't explain to people how much of my life just disappeared. It was hard at first, but the reason, and you touch upon saying, is it because I'm just, I'm honest, mate, I'm just the exact same as everyone else. So yeah. it doesn't matter. I, I don't even look at myself as a boxing mother. I don't think I was anything different than I was a fellow with a nine to five job. The only difference was when I went to work on on my most important days, the nine to five just happened to be on telly in front of hundreds of thousands of people, not millions. Yeah, and yeah. that was the only difference everyone had to watch. I wish I could have fought with a mask on, to be honest, because then no one had known my face was and life would have been easier. I find this really interesting though. And I really admire people who've achieved impressive things as you have like we've Thank we've you. rattled through your cv you know author hollywood star boxing world champ <laughs> you know it's it's Thank impressive <laughs> um but but yet remain humble now i've spoken to lots of people on here who who've managed to do those to do both of those things and i i really admire humility in whatever form you know was there ever any risk of it going to your head no because i just don't think i'm anyone special 
And I'm not. Why should I be treated any different than anybody else? Why should I be treated any different than the other normal people in the street? Because I can punch people really hard in the face. doesn't make me any better or, or worse than anybody else. I just look at us with all two arms, two legs. It's fortunate enough if you've got them. But we're just all people. What I've done or what I did does not define who I am. I think this is the most important lesson because whatever industry you're in, you know, we live in a culture, don't we, where... Yes. One of the and I mean, where one of the first questions is, what do you do, right? Yeah. So we often get this confused who we are with with what we do, and it doesn't matter what job you have that that's the case. But I, I completely agree with you that that what you do does not define who you are. How do you? Where do you think that your understanding of that has come from? So I remember the first time I ever took the Everton football training ground and met the players, which I soon became a part of that dressing room coming in and out all the time training. I got to know the lads, brilliant team, the manager and stuff, David Moyes at the time. I've been in and amongst that club for the last decade. But the first year was crazy because when I first went in there and met Tim Cahill and the lads, I was like, I was starstruck. I was mm. lost and I was thinking, wow, I'm, I'm sitting in the Everton first team dressing room. I'm getting an ice bath and the lads are talking to me like I'm just another player or just another person. And then it took me a while to sit down and realise it was Tim Cahill said it to me one day he said to me Tone how are you going mate how are you doing and I said to him this day forget about me I mean I'm not how are you he said you play for Everton and he said Tone can I just explain something to you I'm the exact same as you only difference is I kick a ball for a living and over time I soon realised spending more time with them getting to know them laughing and joking with them having the odd night out with them they are just normal people Yeah, they just kick a ball for a living you're a normal guy. You just do interviews and your journalism. We're all the same. Yeah. No one is any different or any better than us. And I think it took me that amount to, to be in that kind of environment for it to really sing. Because I used to hype people up all the time in my mind. Like I remember the first time I met Mike Tyson. I was I was just like, I was so amazed. But speaking to Mike and, and having dinner with him and finding out things about him, he's just a normal guy. Don't let the TV and the hysterical circus and atmosphere that, that the world of publicity brings and these celebrities bring let them kid you that there's something that they're not because they're not they're just normal people nobody in this world is a megastar we're just normal people mate and you will soon find that out when you when you meet these people it's only yeah. don't get me wrong i've come across people who genuinely do think that the superstars <laughs> yeah yeah and, but it's tragic isn't it you know I, I do too it's it's embarrassing it's a bit cringe there are a lot of ex sporting people who i've come across who sort of have yeah. that little swagger and, and i'm sure you know have have come across lots in your the time the best way to explain it is and i'll tell you when i met floyd mayweather i met him with great disappointment sorry to say that because i love floyd mayweather the greatest boxer of our era. But when I met him and spoke to him, I was amazed to think this man has lost touch with reality of a yeah. normal person. At what point did he lose touch with reality? Because he has that many yes men around him. I mean, when I was talking to him, this guy had one woman massaging his feet, another massaging his head, and another massaging his shoulders while he was talking to me, while he was explaining to me about how he'd made $900 million. I know how much you've made. That's fantastic. Brilliant. I know you've done this, but... At what point, I asked him, did he miss fighting? He said, now, why would I miss it when I've made 900 million? I already know how much you've made, mate. The world knows how much you've made. I mean, I asked you the question, do you miss fighting? The fact of the matter is, he does miss fighting because he's still fighting to this day, even though he's wealthy. 
Yeah, absolutely. So I totally needed to find out because I was just basically on the verge of retiring myself at the time. I just wanted to know that he still miss fighting. But these people lose touch with reality. He actually believes in his own hype. Yeah. And he's Floyd Mayweather. But then I understand why he's lost touch with reality because every single person around him just says yes to him. No one is he really honest. Like if Floyd went out and said the sky's red, the other Roy that's red, it's red hot. Floyd could have said it's 90 degrees outside, it was snowing by the way. And the other all took the top and said it's really hot in here, it's red hot. That's the kind of I'd just love to know at what point, because people do lose touch with reality. People do forget yeah. themselves. So I've seen that happen on a number of occasions, but Floyd's the one that sticks with me the most. And I just thought, wow. It is sad. I mean, you can't, you, because you can't have authentic relationships. There must be mm. something inside when you when you do lose touch with reality. And I've seen it as well. And There are various people I can think of like that. And you, you then are not able to basically relate to anyone else on, on a on any kind of authentic level. And there must be a part inside that feels that feels that that knows that it's a load of old but cobblers. There is there is, but they're so far detached from reality, and because everybody just tells them, "Yes, you're great," that they've, mm. they've they've lost touch. And once you've lost touch with reality, it must be so hard to get. The only thing that's going to bring someone like him back down to earth is someone who's on his level who can put him straight. I would say probably a manager, someone like that. I don't know, but but they, would even they be scared because he sacks them? I don't know. Yeah. But I've seen it in Hollywood. I've seen people on that level before. Mm. Uh, I've seen people in various industries in the world. They forget themselves, and it's mad. It's crazy. See, in the boxing world, you've never seen nothing like it. That's a daily event, to be honest, where yeah. guys just lose themselves and forget themselves. But in boxing, you usually find that they get brought back down to earth with a bang. And it's yeah. usually a punch that's caused that bang. So <laughs> they do usually get brought back down. But as Floyd's never lost, he's not being brought yeah. back down. Well, he today. doesn't get punched, does he? That's yeah, the he problem. doesn't get yeah, punched, yeah. mate. Uh, but, and I don't but, think yeah. he's going to get punched next time either, to be honest. No. Well, I want to ask you about that. But but that's the thing. I mean, losing yourself, like you say there, or losing mm. touch with yourself, believing the hype and all that, it's a dangerous road to go down. And, it, and it's sad when it happens. And so... You know, we've got on the one hand, let's say, like you said, someone like Floyd who who believes their own hype, starts to think they're the big I am. Yeah. And then on the other side, you've got someone who might feel have, let's say, the opposite, think really badly of themselves. Yeah, And obviously that's sadder. It's more painful probably. But to me, they're two sides of the same coin. Because like you said, the reality is none of us are any better or any worse than anyone else. Yeah, correct. 100%. No, what no advice would no you give for me. someone who's struggling then, Tony? But if the someone's they... struggling with self-belief and respect for themselves or confidence, go and look in the mirror and tell yourself, so is everybody else. I'm not going through this on my own. Everybody else is going through it also. It's the best advice I can give you. Don't go and look at social media and see everyone putting on their highlights of their day or their week or their life. Go outside and talk to people. No one's living this great life every day of getting up, doing this, doing that, your life's exciting. We have dull times, we have up, downs, down times, up time, up time, sorry, down time. Everyone's having good and bad news. Just look in the mirror and ask yourself. And if you are feeling anxiety or you've got problems or you've got issues or you think your life's terrible, you think it's crap, understand, so is mine sometimes. Huh. That's cracking my life, ain't, my life ain't great every day, mate. Trust me, there's bad days when I wake up, I don't want to train, I'm just fed up. Uh, yeah, basically, yesterday was one of the, I came off my diet, I ate a ton of chocolate, I was fed up with myself, I didn't want to change, it was Bank Holiday Monday, and I thought, I'll just be a slob today, and I'm, I'm, I've regretted it. You will never, ever 
see someone who's give up on themselves or quit on themselves the next day be proud of that so understand when you're having bad times when you're going through bad moments if you give in or quit that day trust me the next day you won't be happy about it you will only regret it so that's why i used to train as hard as i could every day because i used to look back and know if i didn't train as hard as i possibly i'm only going to regret it tomorrow so mm-hmm. push yourself now and tomorrow you will know that you've pushed yourself as hard as you can yesterday to be better again tomorrow and that could go for anything in life if you're in work and you're fed up and you're sick of it or you're on a certain diet that you want to stick to understand yes you can derail from that diet a little bit but if you just lose it all and just go crazy and eat anything you want for a week you're not going to be happy you're going to look back on that week and go why did i do that you're never going to look back on the week and go i made up i done that it was great no one is ever happy about making the wrong decisions no one ever looks back and goes that was a great decision me not doing that yeah they always regret it so if you think you're going to regret it try and spin it round and not do it try and turn your negatives into positives but like you say we all have days where we'll fall off the wagon as it were so yes. yesterday you had a little bit too much chocolate are yeah. you able to not give yourself too hard a time for that though because you don't want to spin into a spiral of oh i'm awful i should you know yes. oh, you know because we're in not we all we all human. yeah exactly that that's the hard thing to do is to not spin a spiral off and let it get out of control the only way i find to recalibrate myself is get the work done again yeah. get back to the get back on. Yeah. so the first thing up this morning seven o'clock ready to get on the peloton try and lose as much weight as i possibly can that i gained yesterday <laughs> try, <laughs> try and literally burn the chocolate off that yet and i feel much better today mentally and physically than i did yesterday i'm in a constant battle with myself but you've got to be willing to accept that battle and also appreciate it give yeah. yourself goals set yourself targets you know don't set them too high or too lofty because that, that's a silly thing to do because you're never going to see them through. Little goals, little targets every day. Try and beat them. You want to win every day that you're taking part of. I'm a winner and I'm always going to be a winner because I have that mentality. I want to win. No matter what I'm doing, I have to win. I want to win. So mm-hmm. if you can set yourself them goals, no matter how small the challenges are, your, your challenge might be you're late for work all the time. Well, get up half an hour earlier. If you can get up half an hour earlier every day, there's the first battle of your day one. You're getting out of bed and you're winning a battle. You're winning at something just by getting out of bed. Go down, eat a little bit healthy. There's the second battle you've won. You didn't go and have a bacon and egg on toast or a sausage. You had porridge or you had a protein shake or you had whatever it is. There's the second battle one of the day. If you continue to win battles throughout the day, your day is only going to be good. It's not going to be bad. Yeah. I like a quote you said there, Tony. So you said, I am a winner, right? Yeah. But it, it sounds like you're talking about winning against yourself. Yes. I don't need competition with any. I'm not in a competition with anybody else. I'm only in competition with myself. No. Don't compare your life to anybody else's. Nobody's life is better than mine, and my life is nobody better than anybody else's. I, I live this song. Well, there's a song by a guy called J. Cole, and it's called Love Yours. Listen to it, guys out there. For the guys who don't like the swearing in songs or the explicit ones, there's a, there's, a, there's a non-explicit version, but it's by J. Cole. It's called Love Yours. Just please listen to that song and listen to the words he says. This is a guy who's been broke, who's been at the bottom of the world, who's risen to the top, and he, he always he touches on things up in the song of just love yours. No one's life is better than yours. It's an amazing, beautiful song. I love it. I play it every day. And it just recalibrates me to think 
love your life. No one's life is better than yours. Yeah, absolutely. For me, I think that one of the biggest lessons I've learned is, it, like you say, accepting yourself, your life, yes. the ups, the downs, it's all part and parcel of it. Rather than thinking, oh, I've got to fix this, change it. Of course, you want to strive, like you say, to win as many days as you can against yes. yourself. But it's, you also have to accept yourself and everything in it at the same time. Correct. 100%. You know, just everyone's going through different battles. Everyone progresses at different stages, different phases. That's why I say don't compare your life to anybody else's. Live your life. Go on your path. You will get to what you want to get to in the end as long as you stay dedicated and focused on the goal ahead. You will get there and you will see it through. But don't compare to other people's because, as I say, you don't want to get involved in that rat race. You just want to be in a race with one person and one person only, and that's yourself. Are you better today than you was yesterday? Are you stronger today than you was yesterday? Now, I'm stronger today than I was yesterday. But on Sunday, I was stronger than I was on Monday because Monday was a bad day. So on Tuesday, I get up and I'm stronger than I was on Monday. Try and calibrate yourself to want to get stronger or better every day. If you can do that, you're always going to be winning. Don't be so naive to think that every day is going to be a stronger or a better day. But then also, don't be so harsh on yourself to think that you can't have a bad day. We can all have bad days. The key in the, to all this is, is not letting them bad days turn into bad weeks and bad weeks turn into bad months and bad months turn into a bad year. Absolutely. That's the key. We mentioned Floyd Mayweather. Yes. Um, obviously, he is fighting against Logan Paul. Do you know, yes. I saw an interesting article, or and underneath it, I always like reading the quotes, and someone had put RIP combat sports, right, which I thought was probably a bit OTT. They were piling in on it, and obviously it's getting a lot of a, a lot of stick. With what you know then about Floyd and having met him, and what's your take on, on that then? Uh, I think it's a bit nuts. I think it's a bit crazy. But listen, everyone's making money. They're all happy leading to it. They're not hurting no one who's not signed up to a sport and knows what they're getting into. They ain't hurting innocent people. These guys are going in there. It's all in the name and all in the love of money, nothing else. Yeah. If that's the way I'm they want to pursue, leave them to it, purely and simply. I'm not tuning in because I know what's going to happen. So I don't yeah. need to watch. I know Floyd is going to go in there and absolutely dismantle this boy and play with him for as long as he possibly wants to. It's becoming a bit of a habit now, these kind of things, though. I mean, and Floyd, obviously, you know, he's having various fights of of decreasing quality, it, it seems. Do you not worry, though, that it's becoming a bit more too much showbiz, too little substance when these things happen? It's going to continue as long as there's, for every demand, there will always be supply. So this will continue to go on until someone is badly hurt. Simple as that. Sorry to say that, but that's what we'll see this off, is someone getting really hurt, and then it will soon stop. Do you think that will happen? Of course. At some stage, it's bad. It's got to. Yeah. Two celebrities will fight. Someone will get hurt. That'll be the end of it. No one will do it again. Well, it will have, It will probably continue, but it'll probably happen on an unlicensed event somewhere. How these are being licensed, I don't know. This guy's going to match up against Floyd, the greatest fighter of his generation. This boy's had two professional fights against two absolute no marks. And it's just insane. But listen, what we're talking about here is not boxing. This is the world of show business. And this has gone on for decades. This has gone on for hundreds of years. There's been men that have fought bears, guys that have gone up against tigers with swords in, back in the gladiator days, the, the Colosseum. So it's gone on for years. It's just now they're sticking cameras on and making you see. <laughs> yeah. It's just another version of the circus. It's yeah. all as it is. 
Just yeah. a circus. Yeah. So while we have Floyd Mayweather and Logan Paul confirmed, we're yeah. still waiting for obviously uh, Tyson and AJ. Now I know you and Eddie Hearn are close. Yeah. I'm not expecting you to tell me if anything's going to happen. We're we're hopefully waiting. It's, it's going to happen. You sure? It's going to happen. Okay, right. So Frank, right? Frank Bruno said that he thinks that um, Tyson Fury is going to school AJ, right? Okay. He said, I think he said he's going to pull his trousers down and smack him, right? Which is an interesting bit of imagery. I, I, at the time, I certainly <laughs> it certainly stuck with me, right? I yeah. mean, but uh, and I know that obviously you and Eddie are tight. So, yeah. but putting that to one side, how do you see it planning out? Yeah, I think he catches Tyson. I think he, he lands. And people are reading far too much into what happened against Deontay Wilder. Anthony Joshua is not Deontay Wilder. Anthony Joshua is a very accomplished, excellent technical boxer fighter. Anthony Joshua is a former Olympic gold medalist. Deontay Wilder was skimming the lights when he was trying to knock out Tyson Fury in round 12 of the first fight. Literally skimming the lights. He was jumping off two of his feet in the air, swinging punches. A lunatic. Anthony Joshua is not going to take that approach. Don't get me wrong, he's only got six rounds to do it, in my opinion. Because after six rounds, if you can't figure out Tyson Fury in six rounds, you ain't going to do it in the neck in the, in the second six, in the 12. You've got to get him in them first six. And he knows that. I speak to AJ, he knows what he's got to do. I'm not saying it's going to be easy, but I do believe he'll catch him. And if he does catch him and hurt him, he's the most destructive finisher in the heavyweight division. He will finish Tyson Fury. Deontay Wilder dropped him twice. Anthony Joshua only has to drop him once and the fight's done. He is the most vicious finisher I've seen since Lennox Lewis, Mike Tyson. That's how good of a finisher he is. When he gets his man here, you do not survive. We'll see. There's so much that can happen in that fight that I couldn't be nailed on and give you... It's not a fight where I can go, I'll put me my lifelong possession on that. I do come across fights where I can do that and I'm confident enough to do it, but it's not in this one. So I I think it'll be a, a brilliant fight but I think AJ will get to him. Because if Deontay Wilder can drop him and hurt him, AJ can drop him and hurt him and finish him. That's what I'm basing this on, to be totally honest. And AJ is only getting better. He really, really is. Anthony, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. It really has. I've thoroughly that. enjoyed it. You're, uh, I've definitely been speaking to Anthony today. Put it that way. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and, and I'll tell you what, one more thing. Listen. Yeah. Now that you've got one under your belt, so you've done one book, right? And this has yes. been the advice side. This has been the lesson side. I still reckon you've got an autobiography in you. Uh, well, I've got some more tales coming out before the end, before the year's out where people are going to want an autobiography, to be honest. So let's just wait and see. But I, I, don't really, I don't really think I've got much of a life to tell, to be honest. I've just lived a normal life. Uh, I've just been able to fight my way through it at times. And if people want to hear that, then so be it. So, you know, never say never. But thank you very, very much, Sam. No, listen, it's been a real pleasure, Anthony. It really has. Look, congratulations. Pleasure. I really enjoyed it. Like I said, your CV's great as well. Hollywood star, all this stuff. But I think the thing I admire most is is your attitude of you're no different to, to anyone else. And I, I take my hat off to anyone in any walk of life who can recognize the truth of that. So yeah, listen, all that remains for me to say is it's been a pleasure, Anthony. It really has. And uh, yeah, best of luck with it. Thanks, Paul. Thanks for listening to this chat with Anthony Bellew. I hope you enjoyed it. I loved his advice, particularly around reminding everyone that everyone has good days and bad days and not believing other people's hype or your own hype. 
I'd love to hear what you made of our conversation. Get in touch and let me know. I'm at Simon Mundy on social media. My website, simonmundy.com. And we've started a new Facebook page for Don't Turn With The Score, where we're going to be talking about episodes and diving into some of the lessons that we explore in there. So get in touch if you want to be added to that. And if you could leave a kind rating and review, we would be very grateful. And we'll have some more name checks and shout outs to come next week. Anyway, that's it for this episode. I hope you will join me again next time on Don't Turn With The Score. Until then, thank you and goodbye. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.